Thank you to Western Washington Coalition for Life for sponsoring today's broadcast of Live Talk Northwest. Born from prayer and a promise in 2018, the WWCFL's mission is to provide encouragement and support through resources, education, and information focused on embracing the beauty and sanctity of all human life. Engage with WWCFL at WWCFL.org or on Facebook at Western Washington Coalition for Life. Thank you, WWCFL, for supporting Life Talk Northwest. Welcome to Life Talk Northwest. We're so glad you're here. I'm Dan Kennedy, former CEO and current board member of Human Life of Washington. And I'm Katie Welch, the former Northwest Regional Coordinator and Industry Impact Coordinator for Students for Life of America and Students for Life Action. We are so glad that you're listening today because we have a very special guest this week. Today, our guest is Dr. Ingrid Skop. She is a board-certified OBGYN practicing in Texas who has delivered more than 5,000 babies over the past 25 years. Unfortunately, she has also has significant experience treating women for complications of the abortion pill, including performing an emergency surgery just a few weeks ago. Right now, a federal judge in Texas is considering a request to suspend the FDA's suspect approval of the abortion pill regimen, and part of the material he's reviewing includes a Lozier Institute amicus brief that was based on Dr. Scop's medical research. Thank you, Dr. Scott, for being here today. We are so happy to have you join us on Life Talk Northwest. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm so glad to be able to explain to your listeners what's going on. Thank you. So could you start by telling us about the Charlotte Lozier Institute and your work there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, are, um, we were created by Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America when they discovered that there was a, a, a dramatic need for high-quality research, uh, science, and statistics to support the pro-life position. Um, and so we, that is what we do. We want to get as much information into the hands of Americans as possible about how abortion harms women, um, because, of course, you're never going to hear that side of the story mm. from the abortion industry. No. Right. And our website is LozierInstitute.org, so if I don't say enough in this interview, uh, your listeners can find further information there. And could you spell Lozier? Sure, it's L-O-Z-I-E-R. Yeah, as we met, we're talking to uh, Dr. Scott before the um, uh, before we went on air. Uh, we're talking about everybody knows about the uh, Guttmacher Institute, but nobody knows about the the pro-life institute that uh, can can be trusted so and that's the charlotte lozier institute uh now one of the big issues in uh media today and in washington state in particular and other states and before federal courts is the uh abortion pill regimen and i think there's probably a lot of maybe misunderstanding or ignorance on what exactly that is. Could you cover that for us? Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I've discovered is some people don't even know that it's different from emergency contraception or Plan B, um, Mm -hmm. which is a high dose of hormones that is taken usually within three days of an unprotected intercourse to try to prevent 
ovulation. So it, it attempts to prevent fertilization and the formation of a new human life. Unfortunately, it doesn't work as well as we would like, but it's, that's very different from a chemical abortion, which is an action that is um, performed when a pregnancy is known. So we know that there's a human life in the uterus. Um, it is two medications. Um, mifepristone is also known as Mifeprex or RU486 is the French drug. Um, and it's a hormone blocker. It blocks progesterone receptors, cutting off the hormonal support of the pregnancy, um, disrupts the lining of the uterus and causes the embryo or the fetus to die. It's followed generally in about 24 to 48 hours by mesoprostol or cytotech, which essentially induces labor. It causes uterine contractions to expel the pregnancy tissue. Um, it's being increasingly promoted by the abortion industry to women for reasons that benefit them, but not the women. They tell the women mm -hmm. this is natural, it's safe and effective, um, they can have the abortion in the comfort of their own home, but there is nothing comfortable about this type of an abortion. Um, it, it, women have a lot of bleeding, a lot of cramping, um, a lot of GI side effects, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, um, and um, many women see their unborn child in the toilet um, because at an eight weeks gestation he's about the size and shape of a gummy bear he looks clearly identifiable as a human because of course he is um, so it's you know it helps the abortion industry they don't have to pay for surgeons uh, equipment sterilization they essentially give the woman the pills and let her self-manage her own abortion mm -hmm. I remember talking to girls on campuses who had basically been lied to by the abortion industry and told that they would take the abortion reg pill regimen and it would just it would be fine nothing bad would happen and they did they saw their unborn child in in the toilet um and that was just so traumatic for them um i know that you've treated women who've had complications from the abortion pill regimen um could you talk about maybe like have these drugs been tested on younger girls? Like, what side effects have you seen? Yeah, it, 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 so you have, what you have is the abortion industry promoting this product, and it, it, they say it's safer than Tylenol or a shot of penicillin. But the reason that they are able to say that is that the CDC does care to track the people who die of Tylenol overdoses. And they do care to track the people who die of an anaphylactic reaction to penicillin. But they don't care to track the women who die after a chemical abortion. And in fact, um, no longer are complication reporting even necessary, even required by the FDA. Um, so the abortion industry um, will tell about the complications that they know about. But you can imagine if a woman is told this is safer than Tylenol and then she has a complication, she knows she's been lied to. In many cases, she does not go back to the provider who gave her the abortion pills. She may come to her own private gynecologist. She may come to the emergency room, particularly if she's in distress and having a great deal of bleeding or pain or, or um, infection. And these, these pills are linked to a very, very serious infection that has led to death. So... She doesn't go back to the provider. They don't know about the complications. So when they report complications, they're clearly going to be incomplete numbers. Um, and I've seen many of these women 
in my office and in the emergency room. As you mentioned, even though um, abortion, elective abortion is illegal in Texas, the chemical abortion pills are still flooding the state. And so that's why women are still having complications, and I'm still caring for them in the emergency room. Um, the better quality data can be obtained if we look at what's called record linkage, where you know every abortion that's performed and you can look at all the medical events that occur following that, um, or by a meta-analysis, which is looking at all the available studies around the world. And when we look at those type of high-quality studies, we discover that somewhere between 3.4 and 7.9% of women will fail to evacuate all the pregnancy tissue. This means they'll need a surgery. Wow. So, mm-hmm. again, approximately 1 in 20 women are going to need surgery, often in emergent conditions, after these chemical abortion pills. It's crazy. Yeah, that's a, and that seems to... Uh, repeat a pattern, I think, of um, the surgical abortion pattern of complications arising from that. They don't go back to the original uh, abortion provider, but they go to a, a, their family doctor or something. And the, um, and that seems to be a pattern with the uh, chemical abortion as well, or the abortion pill regimen. Yeah, absolutely. I I didn't know until I started looking into it that there was no system that could detect these complications. I think doctors usually assume, well, there's probably, you know, CDC is is looking and finding these things. In fact, at Charlotte Lozier, we we purchase the data from 17 states allow their state Medicaid money to pay for abortions, elective abortions. But we were able to do a records linkage study. And not only did we demonstrate that 5% 5% of the women, again, 1 out of 20 women who had a chemical abortion had to go to an emergency room for a complication within the month. Uh, 2% of the women who had surgical abortions also had complications. But 60% of the time, the complications were miscoded as due to a miscarriage. Oh, so either the woman did not tell the doctor, the doctor right. assumed. Mm-hmm. Women are actually being told by abortion providers, if you should have a complication, you don't have to tell the doctor because they can't tell the difference. <sighs> between this and a miscarriage. But our study actually also demonstrated that those who were miscoded, those that the doctor did not really know what was going on, um, they ended up having more visits, an average of three visits in the emergency room, before they finally got the treatment they needed. So unfortunately, they are receiving suboptimal uh, treatment when they mislead the providers about the cause of their complication. Wow. So... um so the abortion pills you said are still coming into Texas. Is this because of like telemedicine or how are people right. getting them? Yeah, absolutely. And we should maybe back up because I think you asked earlier about the Mifepristone lawsuit and, and what is going on with the FDA. And just to go all the way back to the beginning when um, the pills were approved in the year 2000 under President Clinton, um, distributed by the Population Council, which tells you the eugenic motivation behind these pills. But at that time, the FDA did not even follow its own rules that are set up to approve medication. So they approved it under subpart H, which is accelerated approval regulations, which means that this is a a drug that is supposed to be for a life-threatening illness for which there is no other therapeutic 
treatment available. Well, pregnancy, in almost every case, is not a life-threatening illness, and of course, surgical abortion was available, so there was another alternative. And I should note that study after study since then has shown us that complications are four times as frequent following a chemical abortion than following a surgical abortion. So not only was there another another alternative, but there was a a less complicated alternative available. These are these are more dangerous than surgical abortions. Wow, um, that's crazy. And so, and they didn't study it in a pediatric population. So a lot of women um, are less than the age of eighteen, maybe still developing when they take chemical abortion pills, but they never studied in that population, despite their rules telling them they must study it in the population. So we don't know, does it work differently in a young woman? Does it, Mm -hmm. because it's a hormone blocker, does it have any impact on her development? Um, Could it lead to infertility or uh, later in life? We don't know the answer to any of those questions because the FDA did not choose to study that. since that time, they've loosened regulations. In 2016, under President Obama, they extended it from seven weeks to 10 weeks use, even though we know that they're more likely to fail in the higher gestational ages. They said no longer is it required to have a doctor provide these pills. So well, practitioners let's... and other people can do it. And, and of course, those people don't have surgical training. So if a complication occurs... By necessity, it's going to fall on the emergency room system because the providers can't even care for the complications. Let's, that's, a, that's an excellent place for us to take a break. And when we come back, uh, I think we can discuss, we can continue discussing this further and the idea that um, you can't trust anybody these days, it seems. You're listening to Life Talk Northwest. On Sacred Heart Radio, we're speaking with Dr. Scott from the Charlotte Lozier Institute about the abortion pill regimen, and we'll be right back. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Welcome back to Life Talk Northwest on Sacred Heart Radio. We are speaking with Dr. Ingrid Skop. She is a board-certified OBGYN. Uh, Before the break, she was actually talking about telemedicine and how um, this is a really horrible way for um, doctors and the abortion industry to kind of abuse the abortion pill regimen. Could you uh, talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. We were talking about in 2016 when the FDA loosened restrictions. And unfortunately, under um, President uh, Biden in 2021, using the COVID pandemic as an excuse, the FDA did something even worse. They took away 
the in-person prescribing requirements. So prior to that time, a doctor needed to look a woman in the eye to make sure she wanted an abortion. He needed to do standard pre-abortion testing, which usually included um, an ultrasound um, to document an accurate gestational age, and also to make sure that the pregnancy was in the uterus, because about 2% of the time, pregnancies implant outside of the uterus, usually in the fallopian tube, and these medications don't work on that at all. Um, and then the woman's and, in danger. Um, they need, they, it was standard to do laboratory values to look for anemia, to look for a specific um, uh, blood type, an O-negative blood type, for which there is a shot called Rogam that we typically will give um, prior to a pregnancy loss or a termination in order to prevent a woman from forming an immune response to her future children, which can be a devastating um, situation. So all of those things, the FDA, in order to promote telemedicine, because they thought it was too dangerous for a woman to walk into a clinic, (laughs) they took away that. And so this not only allows telemedicine to occur, but it allows it to be obtained without any of those tests. So women can now get online, and they can order abortion pills from international distributors delivered to their mailbox, and in some cases to the mailbox in states where abortion is illegal, like Texas, without any medical supervision. So it just opened it wide up for all sorts of problems. The problems that can occur, of course, if a woman underestimates her gestational age is that she's more likely to have a failure. Um, Good quality studies tell us that if these pills are used in the second trimester, 38%, almost 4 out of 10 women, will fail to evacuate all the tissue and will need surgery to remove that tissue. Um, We know it doesn't work on ectopic pregnancies, and so this pregnancy may continue to grow if it's not diagnosed, and it can rupture the tube. It can cause catastrophic internal hemorrhage, and women have died from ruptured ectopic pregnancies. In fact, one study showed she's more likely to die if it ruptures while she's undergoing a chemical abortion because when she experiences pain and bleeding, which should be a warning sign to get medical help, she may interpret that to be a sign that pills are working. Mm -hmm. So, of course, this is a very negligent way to allow women to obtain these pills. We're not... um, providing Rogam, we're not protecting women against future pregnancy complications, and equally important, we're not even making sure that the person who's ordering the pills is the person who wants an abortion. Sex traffickers, incestuous abusers, coercive boyfriends can all now pretend to be a woman and order these pills, and they can provide them to women to cause them to lose pregnancies that they may desire. And then, of course... In January of this year, the FDA even took it another step further to say that brick-and-mortar pharmacy chains can distribute these pills, again, without a doctor laying hands on a woman. Um, So it has become, we've gone full circle. After Roe, or Roe was, um, uh, the talking point at that time was that self-managed abortions were so dangerous that we had to legalize abortion. But now we're at the point where we're saying, you know what? If it's illegal, women should self-manage their abortions, and we're promoting these pills to them, um, which obviously is such a, a a poor way to care for women. Boy, they, you just uh, the abortion industry—it is so crystal clear. 
that they do not care about women. And you have to wonder, you know, at some point, are we going to discover fentanyl-laced, you know, abortion pill regimen? And, uh, well, I I suppose it wouldn't be any more dangerous than it is right now. I mean, one has to wonder because a lot of these pills are being brought over the border from Mexico as well. Oh, really? And I, I live semi-close to the border. I personally verified you can walk across the border and without any prescription at all, you can get mesoprostol, which is the second drug mm-hmm. in the abortion mm-hmm. pill regimen. And even now, um, abortion advocates are recommending to women, hey, if you have trouble getting mifepristone and mesoprostol, just use mesoprostol alone. But mesoprostol alone, a meta-analysis of thousands of abortions around the world demonstrated that 22% Nearly one out of four or one out of five women, again, failed to evacuate all the tissue with mesoprostol alone and required surgery. You know, it, it sounds to me like, well, it's, it's clear that every pharmacy that carries this is putting women at risk. Uh, every state that pushes it, every community that pushes it is putting women at risk. Uh, the complications, uh, the emotional uh, trauma that can result from this is just astounding. And, uh, you know, when will people listen, I guess? Uh, you know, there's a good reason why the FDA doesn't want to track this kind of thing and why, why we have to use or why you have to use re- uh, um records linkage to to find out and even then you know we're not getting a crystal clear picture of it mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and, and that's what this case this mythopristone case um filed by the alliance for hippocratic medicine is asking fda show us your data because in many cases it's all very secretive um and hopefully we can back things up to where there's good data to support its use which in my opinion, having looked at the data that's available, I don't think there's good data at all to support its use ever. It's never mm-hmm. been safer or um, uh, have any advantage over um, other types of, you know, a surgical abortion. Right. But, of course, we all recognize there's so many better ways we can help women in a crisis pregnancy other than offering them the chance to end the life of their child. Right. And I think... This is interesting, too. What a lot of people aren't aware of is that if you have only taken the first pill, uh, the abortion can sometimes be reversed. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Um, and, and there are many women who regret the decision to take mifeprostone. Um, in fact, a, a recent study showed that 60% of women who obtained abortions did so under some degree of coercion the father of the baby or perhaps financial or job-related factors. So women many times start this process and immediately regret it. Um, Mm -hmm. Mifepristone is a um, progesterone blocker. So we know this is the same sort of um, uh, uh, mechanism that is behind Narcan for an opioid overdose. We know that if you give uh, a um, something that can outcompete for the receptors. In this case, if we give high-dose progesterone, we may be able to block the effect of mifepristone. So if the progesterone turns on the receptors so that the mifepristone can't attach, we can keep the pregnancy going. So this, is, this has been well studied. Um, it, it doesn't always work. It appears that this will improve the odds 
um, of the pregnancy continuing. If only mifepristone is taken, about 25% will continue. But if we give high-dose progesterone, we can in- increase those odds to about 68%. Um, but, you know, the pro-abortion medical organizations are very much opposed to this because they don't want anyone to know that a woman ever regrets her abortion. And they call it unproven and unethical. But they're just saying that because because they, unfortunately for, I believe, eugenic and population control reasons, I think many um, medical organizations are very much pro-abortion, and they want these actions to happen, They, despite whether the woman really truly wants the abortion or not, which, of course, is a very anti-woman stance to take. Yeah, it's a... Uh... I just wonder how can we how can we get the word out to young women? Of course, we you know this is one way what we're doing right now, uh, getting it out to a listening audience. Um, but there are so many vehicles, and perhaps you know something like the court case that you're talking about is a way of uh, highlighting if it gets coverage in the media. Uh, highlighting the dangers of this and i you know you when there is a crisis pregnancy uh, you know women are scared they feel cornered um and uh, you know it's it, you kind of uh, they kind of back into wishful thinking i'm you know i believe everything these people are telling me because i want that to be true uh right. and it ends up yeah, in I, such I a tragedy Yeah, exactly like you say. I mean, there are almost 3,000 crisis pregnancy centers in this country that can help women. So if it's it's economic, if it's, you know, social, if they just need support to bear their child, there are resources out there, but we just have to help them find them. Um, You know, again, the education piece, because the media in general are so pro-abortion, they don't tell people about these other, you know, these other facts. Um, so LozierInstitute.org and also the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, their website is AAPLOG.org. They've got great resources available. But people need to educate themselves. They need to go to our fact sheets and don't just believe us, but go to the references. Everything we write is extensively referenced. Read about it yourself on the internet and, and realize that what the abortion, what we're usually told is, is very biased data from the abortion industry, of course, trying to promote their product. But we need to just let the people in our lives know, hey, these are dangerous. These hurt women. And, of course, anybody who's worked in the world of the crisis pregnancy centers know that there's many, many women who fall into abortion as a knee-jerk reflex. They may not even think about it. They have the abortion, but then they have the rest of their life to regret that decision. And there are so many women who I mean, often they, they benefit from counseling. They benefit from restoration with their father God over their action. And um, I know the Catholic Church has got so many wonderful resources to help these women make peace with the action they've taken. But if we can help to keep some women from falling into that action, then that's an even better way to um, to help women. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, So I want to thank all our listeners today and Dr. Scott 
for speaking with us. Uh, You've been listening to Life Talk Northwest on Sacred Heart Radio. I'm Katie Welch. God bless you all. And I'm Dan Kennedy. Keep the faith. Thank you to Western Washington Coalition for Life for sponsoring today's broadcast of Life Talk Northwest. Born from prayer and a promise in 2018, the WWCFL's mission is to provide encouragement and support through resources, education, and information focused on embracing the beauty and sanctity of all human life. Engage with WWCFL at wwcfl.org or on Facebook at Western Washington Coalition for Life. Thank you, WWCFL, for supporting Life Talk Northwest.